Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. The world around you and the vast majority of God's own church are blind. This may seem hard to believe, yet your Bible says so, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 4, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. This passage shows that Satan is the God of this world, and he is blinding all mankind. He does not want people to see the light. This is the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, the good news of the coming kingdom of God. And if people could see that light, their everyday lives would be totally different. They would have vision. They would have hope. They would have a purpose in everything they do. So no wonder Satan works so hard to blind the world. But Satan doesn't just blind the world. He's even succeeded in blinding God's church in this end time. This is what it says of the Laodicean church era, the seventh and final church era outlined in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Revelation 3 verses 17 and 18 here. Because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich and white raiment that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. So God's own church in this end time is basically just as blind as the rest of the world even though they should know better. Spiritual blindness, a wretched spiritual condition where they cannot see the light. They have forgotten the glorious gospel of Christ. And yet, they're so blind that they cannot even see that they are blind. They are deceived but don't even know it. So this is the world we're living in. This is the environment that surrounds us where everyone is blind. And it's really, really difficult to fight against this trend. There's an article here from the March 1992 Philadelphia Trumpet titled Staying Awake Spiritually. 
And it says, we are most vulnerable to Satan's attack when we feel that we are pretty close to God. So it's the danger of complacency, starting to think we're doing pretty well. And that is when we are most at risk of being struck blind, sitting back, resting on our laurels, patting ourselves on the back for our small victories. And then all of a sudden, we're struck blind. 2 Corinthians 11 says Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. That's why it's so easy to be struck blind. Because Satan makes it seem like there's light all around us. We could say, oh, what do you mean? How could we be spiritually blind? We see plenty of radiant light everywhere we look. And yet, really, it's a blinding light. It's a deceptive light. It is Satan's counterfeit of the glorious gospel of Christ. It's not the type of light that makes us see. It's the type of light that makes us go blind. Malachi 2 verse 8 even condemns God's own ministers because they cause the people to stumble at the law. That sounds like someone who is bumbling around in the darkness, cannot see, and trips over everything. Stumbling at the law, falling away from keeping God's law. And it's all the minister's fault. So this reality of spiritual blindness is a serious threat to us. The great French general Napoleon said, the most dangerous moment comes with victory. The Laodiceans are satisfied. God's rebellious church thinks that they are so rich and they have need of nothing. And yet they're blind. They're wretched. They're poor. They're miserable. As it says in Revelation chapter 3. They became satisfied with their small victories and then stopped fighting. That is a lukewarm condition that God hates. They're not hot. They're not on fire to pursue God and obey him. But they're also not really that cold either. They're not really necessarily actively fighting against God either. They're right in the middle. They're just like lukewarm water. And generally, lukewarm water is not the most pleasant. <laughs> you don't want to take a lukewarm bath, usually. You don't want to drink lukewarm water. And God hates it. He spews it out of his mouth. This is an article from the April 2009 Philadelphia News. Mr. Alex Harrison writes, it is impossible to be lukewarm and not be in danger. He's talking about being sufficiently warm to go to church services, but at the same time, sufficiently cold to keep Christ outside. 
So Christ is knocking at the door. He wants to be in the midst of their church services, in the midst of their religious worship. And these members are rebellious, and they will not open the door to Jesus Christ. And yet they keep on putting on a show of religious piety. They want to seem righteous, and yet they're shutting Christ out. Mr. Harrison continues, These people have sufficient vision to recognize their own importance, but are too blind to see their own nakedness. They understand God values them very highly. God has a special purpose for them. And so they think they're important, and yet they're not obeying God anymore. So they're actually spiritually naked and in huge danger, and they don't even see it. What a disturbing reality in God's church today. And what would it take to wake those people up and to make them see once again? I talked about our free book, Biblical Manhood, on the show last week. And there is a section here, 1.2, titled, Anoint Your Eyes. Now, spiritual blindness, as I said, affects the entire world. It affects God's own church. And so... It could easily affect any one of us in our daily lives. Here is what Mr. Hilliker writes on page 29. This spiritual wretchedness, accompanied by complacency and self-righteousness, deeply affects modern manhood. Many men are weak, effeminate, indeterminate, numbed by materialistic luxury and idleness blanketed in a spirit of lukewarmness. God wants men to be strong, masculine, and on fire for the truth. God needs men who are burning with zeal. His work needs men who are ardently devoted to God's purpose. Children need fathers and wives need husbands who are keenly engaged in their daily lives, leading the way God ordained. And so the point of this section of biblical manhood, which you can get for free at thetrumpet.com, you would have to print it off yourself or read it online there, but you can still really enjoy this content at thetrumpet.com. The point of this section of biblical manhood titled anoint your eyes is that God wants us to see how badly we are needed. Men today are in desperate demand. High demand because the world around us, even the majority of God's own church, is devoid of biblical manhood. So God says, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. 
see the opportunities all around in our families, in our congregations, in our communities? Where can we really take advantage of this responsibility to be men? Revelation 3 verse 19 talks about God correcting us. And that's, that's exactly how I felt reading this section of biblical manhood. It can be very corrective to go through a book about biblical manhood. And just to notice, wow, there are so many influences in society around me that are pulling me away from my destiny as a man. And so that's something we have to face. We have to accept that studying a subject like this can sometimes be corrective. Mr. Hilliker writes on page 30, many men wilt under even gentle correction or promptly begin justifying themselves and deflecting blame onto others. The godly man embraces correction and zealously repents. And so Mr. Hilliker goes on to describe all kinds of opportunities to express godly manhood with true Christ-like urgency. Every moment and every interaction of every day can be an opportunity to be a man. Now, obviously, if you're a woman, you don't want to be a man, but there are feminine opportunities out there as well, opportunities to be a woman every single day. And so, of course, you can apply the more velvet side of this instruction in your own life. A man takes action. A man works at serving others. And you could easily say the same about women. So, so much of this also applies to women within their roles as well. This is the way that we normally look at the day. We wake up and probably from the moment we're waking up, our minds are racing about everything we have to do. And perhaps it's easy to have a negative mindset about that and then just survive. You're awake. You're running through the battlefield just trying to survive and make it to the point where you can lie back down and go to sleep that night. And hopefully nothing too catastrophic took place. Enduring the workday, relaxing in the evening, and going to sleep. Rinse and repeat every single day. That's the way it's, we can easily look at our lives and our routines. Page 31 says, But Christ in you looks at tomorrow as a string of opportunities. What can I do? Who can I help? How much can I give? Don't underestimate the potential value of every decision, every encounter, every conversation you have. Recognize opportunities to give for what they are. You'll probably have one as soon as you finish reading this chapter. 
or as soon as you finish listening to this show. There are opportunities everywhere. And this doesn't just apply to expressing manhood or womanhood. There are opportunities every day to be grateful. And we also need to ask God to anoint our eyes so we can see the blessings all around us too. I was just thinking about that earlier today. Everywhere I look, there are blessings. Even just looking out the window in the morning and seeing the the sky slowly brighten or being able to go out on the deck and get some fresh air or occasionally have a cup of coffee holding my children, talking with my wife. These are just such simple aspects of daily life. And yet they're all a blessing. Blessings everywhere. And if we think about how blessed we are, if we thank God for those blessings, we will be a lot happier. And we'll just naturally smile more. Our resting face will be a lot more happy and pleasant for others to look at because we'll be thinking the right way. We'll have that positive mental attitude that is so important for our health. And that's the same about these opportunities every day to be a man and to serve Are we positive? Do we see those opportunities as blessings? The opportunity to get our minds off ourselves and pray for other people and pay attention to other people to see what they need, where they need help. The more unselfish we are, the happier we will be. And I think we all know that from experience. But we have to fight the downward pulls. We have to fight the spiritual blindness that surrounds us. The whole world and 95% of God's church are blind. Satan makes people blind. Society makes people blind. Crippling sins make people blind. And we ourselves can make ourselves blind through self-deception. Looking at ourselves in the spiritual mirror, except that it's actually more of a funhouse mirror and it's all distorted. And we don't really see what we need to see in order to make changes. We can easily make ourselves blind. So, Biblical manhood, this section here, 1.2, anoint your eyes. Page 32 says, a torrent of opportunities is coming at you. Helping your son with his math homework, approving your daughter's new dress before she wears it, setting a household rule to unburden your wife, helping your neighbor fix his porch step, knocking out the reports nobody else wants to do at work, holding the door open for the mother of two children at the gas station, skipping the football game to visit an elderly member in your congregation, 
putting your phone away so you're not distracted when playing with your children, noting something troubling in your teenager's voice inflection and asking him about it, establishing etiquette and manners so dinner time can be quality family time, choosing a topic to lead in conversation after church services, the deluge of opportunities never ends. And Christ wants to empower you to fulfill those opportunities. And this book also says, just ask God to show you all these opportunities that you will receive every single day. Ask God to show you how to become a servant leader, how to help other people, how to be a manly influence in the lives of other people. It does take alertness, asking people how they're doing, and if they mention something they're going through that we can pray about, making sure we write that down and praying about it. If they mention something we can physically help them with or give advice on, if they actually want advice, that's a great way to help as a man as well. Looking for needs and doing your part as a man to fill and fulfill those needs. Mr. Hilliker gives the example of telling children what to do and then following through on it. That's a challenge for fathers. We sometimes tell the children to go do something so they'll stop annoying us. And then we turn our attention back to what we were already doing. Meanwhile, we don't even notice that the children aren't even obeying what we said. And, and obviously, <laughs> telling the children to go do something so they stop annoying us probably isn't the best reason to tell them what to do in the first place. And so a lot is wrong in that hypothetical scenario. When we tell them what to do, we should... Make sure they obey quickly and with a good attitude. So we have to be paying attention and teaching them manners and discipline and obedience and respect. That way, when they go out in the real world, they are not a nightmare for everyone around them. They know how to behave. And that comes down to a father's diligence. Now, again, this applies to women and their role as well. This applies to all of us. God can anoint our eyes. He can help us see. He can give us a vision of our future in God's family and God's kingdom that will make us want to act every single day like Jesus Christ did. Acting unselfishly, acting with love, and just serving. Seeing those service opportunities and stepping up. Page 33 of Biblical Manhood. God can make you a different man, your family a different family, and your work a different work. But you must anoint your eyes. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.